Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Ideas Don't Bleed, a comic book podcast presented by Ashcan mm-hmm. Press, featuring mm-hmm. Matthew Rosenberg mm-hmm. and his sidekicks, the Supple Boys, me, Ethan <laughs> him, oh, Griffin, Griffin Sheridan. I almost said Griffin S. Sheridan. Like, we both have the same. <laughs> Griffin <laughs> Sheridan <laughs> Sheridan is my full yeah, name, yeah. actually. <laughs> uh, and we're we're joined uh, by a very special guest this week, who I'll let Matthew Rosenberg himself introduce. Oh, I come in to do that. First of yeah. all, before we I like do when you I like when you tee it up. You give him like that yeah. big like. Yeah. Well, now you teed up the two. First of all, I really don't <laughs> love. I don't love that you guys refer to yourselves as sidekicks. Now that feels gross in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> we can discuss that later. Uh, okay. Do you feel like sidekicks? That feels gross. Do you feel like in these I- settings? Yes. I feel like uh, you're, you're the producers. Listen, I don't know. there's nothing wrong with you. are like the Charles kid. Xavier. We're here for support. <laughs> we're, we're, the we're the Professor X of the you're team. The Professor X. Oh, I was trying to think okay. of another like Who team. Are you? Who am I? I don't know. It's Wolverine. Be a Wolverine. <laughs> you're uh, Wolverine. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like Wolverine at the mutant barbecue with I'm the chalky blob. Milk. I'm sometimes I'm on the team. Sometimes I'm the enemy of the team. Okay. It doesn't. You know, it's whatever. Uh, none of that matters at all. Because we're joined by uh, a wonderful guest I'm very excited about. Um, We've been uh, dancing around trying to get on the show, but uh, schedules have been difficult. But we are finally together. Uh, Mr. Saladin Ahmed is here. Yay! Yay. How's it going, guys? Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Together at last. We're together at last. Together again. Um, First first of all, for the first together again for the first time it's gonna feel familiar it's gonna feel new it's everything you want it's a jj um, abrams reboot of an episode yeah there's some stuff there that you're like uh that's classic stuff and then there's mm. a little bit of new gloss on it you don't know what twist. that is yeah um the this is this show's sponsored by jj abrams so that makes sense um, i like the idea of a younger shinier sexier version of this show <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah we just redid everything with like better. a mystery box version of the show where we never introduce the guest it's always just like Who's the third has supple a, there is a guest yeah, someone's talking you don't see who it is uh yeah. well we're not going to do that we'll let mr abrams take care of that um sure. but we'll talk to our guests how are you doing today mm-hmm. sir Doing all right, uh, you know, surviving. Mm-hmm. About all we can ask for these days. So that's fair. I'd say so. Um, so we have a, a question we always start with. It's very broad, just to dip our toes in, and that is why comics. What is it about comics that drew you in? Why do you make them? Why do you like them? Yeah, I uh, I guess the 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 liking and the making are two pretty separate parts for me. Um, I grew up, you know, reading comics, uh, especially when I was fairly young. It was kind of my introduction to reading, basically. It was like Marvel Comics and Dungeons and Dragons books. Um, When I was a, you know, kind of nerdy kid in a 
kind of factory town neighborhood that didn't have great schools necessarily. That was how I, I learned like, you know, weird multisyllabic words, right? It was uh-huh. like Stanley prose and, 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 you know, Gary Gygax stuff. So, <laughs> um, and so the, the, the comics part of it in particular, um, the, the D and D part of me, uh, I ended up following um, into my writing and be- became a fantasy writer, published a novel and stuff. Um, but uh, the comics part only became a prof- professional part of my life uh, pretty recently. You know, I guess um, first issue of Black Bolt dropped in 2017, I guess. And, uh, you know, started writing in 2016. So um, you know, it's seven years. Uh, I'm 47 years old. So this is a relatively recent part of my life that I've gotten into making comics. But as soon as I did, it was like, you know, that call from Marvel was the call that, you know, that I've been thinking about since I was 10 years old and like making fake, uh, we called them marble comic, <laughs> right? Like crappy little like parodies that we made when we were like eight years old, me and my friends. So, um, you know, it was uh, sort of destined to happen. It, it's funny you mentioned, I feel like a lot of people, especially people who make comics, like the comics were the gateway to reading myself included, like comics was such a big, thing of of falling in love with with reading and 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 immersing yourself in story worlds and i i feel like it's a lot of kids who were sort of a little bit caught for for a lot of the kids i know a lot of the people i know like comics was an escape if you were a little bit of a nerd or a little bit of an outsider or, or different or a weirdo and i can't help but as an adult look back on like the stuff you talked about like the stan lee of it all and be like, man, he didn't make anyone's life easier by teaching us all to talk like talk like him. Walking into a school and being like, Excelsior is like a surefire way to get pushed down a flight of stairs. But uh, the yeah, I mean, I I I think that that's uh, I think it's interesting. You have such an interesting path because you actually uh, in uh, you you started writing poetry, if I'm not mistaken, right? You were writing poetry yeah. for a while yeah yeah i um you know i had a i got a mfa god help me in uh in poetry writing and uh um you know i, I lived in new york for many years i'm, I'm from detroit and i'm in, back in detroit now but i spent a good number of years like working on kind of weird experimental poems at little fun readings that like you know 20 people read and that was fine because mm-hmm. that's you know that's you know sure. we didn't expect more than 20 people to read them but um it's funny because even when I was writing poetry, right, there was like comic book, there's superhero imagery, fantasy imagery, you know, uh, mm-hmm. science fiction imagery. So th- those kinds of story worlds are always, always, whatever the form is, have always been part of me. I, I feel like I've heard people say, ri- comic writers specifically say that like writing comics is closer to writing poetry than it is to writing prose. I've, I feel like I've heard people say that. And I, it's something that feels very alien to me because I never wrote poetry really except in school. And like, I was never good at poetry and I, I don't quite get it. Do you see a correlation between the two at all? Is that no, something I, you connect? I'd, I'd almost go in the opposite direction because, you know, poems are, uh, you know, poem, a poem, all the attention is, is, is on the language, right? And it's um, it's not necessarily dialogue. It's it's all the attention is on the written word. Where comics, of course, is a collaborative medium, right? You're working with an artist. A lot of times, um, you know, in many panels, they're going to be the star of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. But 
Um, and of course, you've helped them imagine what's going to appear in that panel. But in terms of your actual words, right, the only words that you write that appear on the page when you're doing comics generally is dialogue, unless you're doing like, uh, you know, caption boxes or something mm -hmm. like that, count sound effects. <laughs> so, uh, so it's, um, you know, it's kind of a trip as a writer who got raised on poetry and then and then uh even in novels right everything that the reader sees you have to describe using just words it's your only tool to help the reader conjure this imagery in their mind and when you're working in comics you're doing something very different because really when you write a poem when you write a novel that end product you've made goes straight to the reader Mm -hmm. But like when you're a comics writer, your end product is a script, right? It's not. Uh, a, and then that goes to the artist mm -hmm. and the colorist and the letterer and, you know, editor. And um, and it becomes a comic, which is not the thing you made. Right. It's yeah. the thing that like you and this other person, these other people made after you made a thing, which is the script. So it's, it's, a, it's a very different process than when you write a poem and that's done and that's top to bottom your creation. Interesting. So. Following from that, you start, you're doing poetry, and then you're doing short stories, and then your novel comes out, um, Thrones of the Crescent Moon, and it's uh, very well received. You you win a bunch of awards, you get nominated for a bunch of the big awards. Um, and then you start making comics. Um, where, I feel like there's a lot of people who end up in comics because they tried other things and it wasn't quite clicking for them. And they're like, oh, this is actually where I'm comfortable and it's working. That doesn't seem to be the case with you. You seem to be hit the ground really running, at least it, it, from, novel, from writing a novel, and then you switch gears. So why is that? Um, yeah, I mean, partially luck. <laughs> you know, a lot of times it's just luck. And, uh, uh, you know, I was fortunate that uh, the Marvel editor, Will Moss, um, had come across my novel, right, and uh, and and some of the writing I'd done on Twitter as well, and uh, um, I also written short stories, you know, some of which are more science fictional than fantasy, and uh, you know, the Inhumans are sort of this weird science fiction fantasy yeah. corner of the Marvel universe, right, and so um, so he was looking for somebody kind of outside. Um, traditional kind of comics pool of folks he might've gone to, to, uh, to tell a black bolt story. Right. Yeah. And so, um, uh, so that in terms of the, the actual gig happening, it just kind of ended up being a kind of serendipity, which is why I always feel like a sham when people are like, well, how do I get into comics? I'm like, you know, you, you, you suffer for 20 years and then you get lucky. <laughs> I don't know. You know, yeah. like, I don't know. Right. So, um, <laughs> you know, be poor a long time and then get a cool phone call and work your ass off. <laughs> Is, is basically, you know, but that's um, awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's as good advice as anyone's gonna get. <laughs> but, uh, um, no, for um, in terms of like kind of taking to the new medium and stuff, a lot of that was I had help. You know, I, I worked with Will Moss, who's a brilliant editor, sure. um, uh, in terms of helping me kind of negotiate between the forms because they are very different, right? A novel and a, and a comic script, and then really, you know, the, the person who, um, saved my ass basically is Christian Ward, the mm -hmm. artist that I worked with on Black Bolt, because he's, um, you know, he, he, he's since, you know, kind of emerged as, as a writer artist and just as a writer, you know, who's, yeah. who's worked with other artists now. And it makes sense because he's always had this hardcore storytelling to the point where I had to learn, right. Um, 
because I come from novels where you're like, you have to spell out everything. That's your job, <clears throat> right? And and I had this feeling like I'm a person who's very conscious of um, putting work on other people, right? I try not to do it when when it can be avoided. And so I'm sitting here thinking of like this artist is is I have to describe everything for this artist in every detail and uh -huh. every panel because or else I'm giving them more work. Yeah. Right. And so my first couple of Black Bolt scripts are, are, are overly, are exhaustively detailed. Uh -huh. And, um, and uh, you know, Christian was, was, you know, always gracious about it, but he was like, you know, you don't got to spell out everything because that's, you know, that's part of my job. And so mm -hmm. I learned over the course of those 12 issues um, a little bit more about how that relationship works, you know, and everyone's different, of course. But sure. that was really the big thing for me learning comics was learning about that and then and then focusing on just like the literal form right um when you work in poetry for instance um you write a sonnet right now a lot of times people write free forms but i, I write a lot of form poetry and uh you know you have a sonnet it's a certain number of lines a certain meter the rhyme scheme is a certain way and the thing that i love about um about corporate comics right <laughs> because when you're doing your own creator owned you can kind of make the issue as long or as short as you want within certain yeah. Right. But if you're writing a Marvel or a DC book, they, they are telling you how many pages that issue is going to be. Yeah. And uh, I kind of love it, actually. I kind of like the 20 page puzzle of the average monthly Marvel comic and knowing exactly I got to give readers this on page 20. I got to get this in these first two pages, building that bridge and putting those puzzle pieces together is uh, that was the other formal thing that I really had to learn. And, and, and I like it a lot, actually. Yeah. I, I, I get that. I, I really love the, like the confines of a, a corporate comic script, but I also found that like going back and doing what's the first place from here at image. Um, I felt so liberated from it that I was turning in like 30 and 40 page scripts and regularly. Cause I was just like, well, we can do it. And finally we had to be like, but it's just not economically smart for us <laughs> to be doing this, like putting out a double size issue, but charging the same is, is shitty. But it, it's funny how much like rules can be freeing in some way. Like it, 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 it guides you and focuses you in a way. And then at the same time, as soon as I step out from that, I, I find myself very invigorated by not having them. Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm the same way. I can go in, in in both directions. So, and I'm, you know, doing some image work now, and that feels it's kind of like there, without giving anything away. Um, you know, with one of the series, I'd, I've been envisioning one certain end, right? And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, maybe we could go in this direction too, and it would make it a little bit longer series. And you know, it's like that's we get to make that call instead yeah. of somebody who I never meet <laughs> yeah. making that call, which which can sometimes happen. Um, in, in, big corporate properties uh sometimes yeah <laughs> uh, the uh so you get in at marvel and and you you start black bolt and it's a huge hit i mean huge hit within the confines of the inhumans it's a beloved uh beloved book and uh about as much of a hit as anyone's ever had with the inhumans um and you know you're winning awards and and people love it how did that did that feel like a lot of pressure for you to suddenly come out in a new medium and just be like crushing it? You know, um, 
I don't know, every writer is different, right? But I know for myself, and I know for a lot of people I know, um, you know, you have kind of two people inside you, right? You have the person who's like, you're worthless, your shit sucks, mm-hmm. you don't have any original ideas, you're just a hack, you know, and, and, and that voice is there. There's another person and, inside and, of you? And, and yeah, there is. That's, there is. that's all I got. And, 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 and we like to lie about it, but a lot of us writers also have that, you're a fucking genius. Mm-hmm. Why is the world recognizing you? You yeah. deserve more, right? And, and like, like a lot of us also have that voice. In sure. And uh, so like the sick thing is when, when I get um, praise, mm-hmm. there's, there's the one voice. that's like, this doesn't mean shit. You know, you still suck, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't know what they're talking about. And then I, then the other voice is like, of course, of course you got that. So there's yeah. not a healthy voice. that just goes, this is nice. <laughs> you know, <it's> like <laughs> yeah. These two, these two uh, crazy voices, angel and devil. Uh, so, so it was a complicated uh, emotional thing, but it was, you know, but it, it, it felt incredible to feel like, and just the reception in general, like not necessarily about any of the award stuff, but just having comics people, mm-hmm. you know, because you feel like an interloper too, you know, coming in and, and, you know, you're coming from another form even if you have a love for reading the form, you've only been practicing it, you know, a couple months. And, and yeah. um, it was gratifying to have people like dig it and, and well be welcomed into the fold, you know? For sure. The, um, was there a point, I mean, how much of your career were you planning? Like when you get the call from Will Moss, obviously it's, it's the kind of thing. It's very exciting. You jump at it. Um, at what point were you like, oh, I think I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to be a comic book writer for a lot of my time. Um, I think it was the point where Will and I started to talk about like a second series. I mean, uh-huh. I think even, even as I was wrapping Black Bolt, I think that was when we started to talk about Exiles mm-hmm. and um, uh, just getting, you know, the, the, the getting geeked about starting a new series. I was very in love with working on Black Bolt, but we were like maybe whatever, 10 scripts in or something. And, you see the ending coming, you know, you've been doing it for a minute. And then I got like super invigorated when he was like, Hey, would you want to do a version of it? It actually started as an X factor thing and, and went through a couple different <laughs> versions, but it ended up, it ended up the, the, that exiles book. That was a kind of a quirky, but, but also a beloved one. Um, and it was then that I was like, and then there were other folks from, from other companies also reaching out. And so it was like, Oh wow. And it, it again, I, you know, serendipity, luck, uh, fate, whatever you want to call it for me. I'm a Muslim. It's, it's a hand of God. You know, it's like I was um, I had just gotten divorced. I was sort of staking out on my own when I'd been kind of a, 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 a you know, house husband to the kids. My kids were very small. And uh-huh. I'd been the I'd been the, the you know, Mr. Mom, basically sure. at home with them. And uh, and so, you know, I was sort of like, well, we're getting divorced. I've got to, you know, get my own house and like, like start, start making some money with something a little more commercial than weird little literary fiction stories uh-huh. that publish like one or two a year. And, uh, and it, it was kind of like right at that moment that Will was like, Hey, do you want to work on this? And then, then it just kind of started, mm-hmm. you know, spinning out from there in a good way. So, and then we went to, I think Quicksilver from there. And it was just, at that point I was just like, yeah, this is, this feels right. You know, I'd been blocked also creatively, just even aside from the kind of financial and career stuff, you know, after my first novel, um, part of the reason I was like only writing a couple of short stories a year was I, I had some weird writer's block stuff going on mm-hmm. with the second book. 
which has still never yet been written. And, and, but I've been able to leave that as I'm no longer really a fiction writer as my main thing. I'm, I'm a comics writer now. And that, yeah. um, that move happened at just the right time, I feel like. Creatively, life-wise, all of it. That's, uh, well, we're all, we're all very thankful for that. And, and, and Will's part in that. He's, a, he's one, of the, one of the great editors, I feel like. And I feel like Will is one of those people who has a great understanding of like looking, seeing potential in creators and like seeing what they could be doing and understanding that, which I think is a really underutilized skill in, in editorial and, and a, a, a really difficult skill. I think it's not one a lot of people have. And so it's always, it always amuses me how many people who are like, sort of coming into comics and making interesting things or like Will Moss is, is yeah, at yeah. some point a figure in their, yeah, yeah. in their narrative. Um, I'm fascinated looking back on, on all your books at Marvel because you, you have stuff like Black Bolt and, and Exiles, which are, are these sort of big cosmic ideas and, and like very sci-fi books and very heavy. And then you have Miss Marvel and, and Miles which are so grounded and so accessible. They're, they're the world outside your window. And obviously you take them to fantastical places, but at their heart, they're, you know, they're, they're the, they're the reader. They're everyday kids who you can, you can inhabit it and, and enjoy. And, um, there's not really a lot of middle ground in your work. I don't know what that would actually be yeah. at Marvel, but know, like, Avengers maybe or something, you know? Yeah, but they're, they're, you're on these two extremes yeah. of just like the most sci-fi, Kirby, crazy stuff, and then the most grounded street-level stuff. Like, is that by design? Is that do you no, lean it's, towards it's, one of those? You know, like like most things in big two comics, it's never really by design, right? It's like just kind of like how. The, the the fate of the schedules kind of lined up and um uh for me you know with even those big cosmic books right it's always been about like what is the street level there right like um it was so the very first marvel comics idea i ever had um back when i didn't understand like you know how sales driven everything is and you can't just have a cool idea for a weird obscure character and somebody's gonna green light a series for that you know um was i wanted to do a crusher creole story right uh -huh. and uh and, and when and when will came to me he's like have you ever thought about doing a marvel i was like yes i have an absorbing man story <laughs> and, and he was kind of like well uh <laughs> and uh, but that is how Crusher ended up kind of worming his way into Black Bolt, right? Is um, uh, I had thought about Crusher very much on the uh, on the street level and um, sort of in in terms of incarceration too a lot. You know, um, it's something that for me, I you know, I've had people in my family locked up, I've known people have been locked up, and uh, it's, it's something that's always been um, thematic for me in, in my work is like you know kind of in, in not always like American prison system, but just having your freedom taken away from you and, sure. and for, for unjust reasons. Right. Um, and when I was looking at a black bolt story and telling will, well, I, I've always had this crusher Creel in prison story idea, you know, mm -hmm. um, he was like, well, what we need for black bolt is we basically, because of some other human stuff that was going on, they wanted to take him out of the way somewhere. 
preferably yeah. space, possibly, you know, something. So he was not doing Earth things for a while. And I was like, let's lock him up. Right. And so it was this nice serendipity of that idea and, and of this pitch that I had. But I used Crusher as an anchor throughout that series and in uh, the little alien kid Blinky, who's basically a you know pickpocket um, to try and have that street level, even when we get weird and cosmic and, and, and big scale, because to me, that's always the way in is like, you know, how how would just some guy I grew up with down the block react to this? Yeah. You know, and uh, and, and um, I. I think there's always value to be had there. And then conversely, when you go to kind of the, the, you know, a Ms. Marvel or a Miles, you know, with, with both of those guys, um, they were intimidating projects because with each one I was taking over the book, first ongoing book after the creator, right? Which mm-hmm. is a different thing than, than following generations yeah. of folks, you know, several iterations of a book. Um, and so with both of them, almost what I wanted to do was almost push in the other direction that what we'd had was really wonderful, grounded stories. And, and Miles, I started kind of establishing his community um, because I felt like um, there was stuff to be developed there in his, in his Brooklyn and his family. And, and that's, that's a lot of what makes Miles great to me sure. as a character. Um, so I invested in that a lot early in the series, but you know, I, I, I wanted to push him. I wanted to push Kamala into big superhero stuff too. You know what I mean? And kind of, kind of give them their hallmark moments, you know, that are, that are familiar tropes for, for heroes that have come past. So that's why I was like, can we do an, uh, an honorific uh, or a superlative, you know, over her name, right. Instead mm-hmm. of just another Ms. Marvel, can it be like, you know, the, the magnificent Ms. Marvel is what we ended up with. Right. Yeah. Silly little things like that to me are sort of like uh, hallmarks of what, eventually turn a new and beloved character into like a, a a quote unquote legacy hero. Right. Is like you, you, um, you gotta have an evil twin at some point. Right. (laughs) You gotta have, like there, there, there are these things that have to happen to you, right. Costume change, right. Mistaken Mm -hmm. identity thing. Like, like, and, and to me, the fun is like, what does that look like for this character? And in this time that, that feels different. And, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll feel like a like, you know, people have seen this before, but are seeing it in a different light. And so, for Miles and Kamala, those things were all kind of like big, cool superhero stuff. And then with, with Exiles and Black Bull, it was kind of honing that down to the more human. And so I guess I'm always trying to kind of come to this place where there's this fantastic element and also this human element, both uh, very present. With those two characters, since they only get more and more known, do you uh, feel like you've left the stamp that you wanted to on them? Do you feel like um, the mark that you left, you're, you're satisfied with uh, with where that was at as they carry forward and more people know who they are. Yeah, I, I feel pretty unambiguously that way about Miles. You know, I got uh, a nice, I got 42 issues, you know, um, could have had a few more, but that was, it was, you know, 42 was a great number to stop because it's a significant number for him. And mm-hmm. I had sort of told my story there. So I felt like, yeah, and I feel like, that is a character that um, you know, I, I get credit for leaving my mark on, and I appreciate seeing fans uh, uh, feel like I did a, a pretty, um, you know, crucial run. And you know, that's that's great. Kamala's a little more complicated, you know, um, because because she's a little bit more personal. You know, the first Muslim character in Marvel comics. Um, I knew Willow before I got into comics. Right, we knew each other from sort of Muslim writer circles and stuff, mm-hmm. and so. Um, I, I felt 
Um, and, and there's some gender stuff too going on there. I think, I think that I, I found it easier in some ways to inhabit a teenage boy in Brooklyn and a teenage girl in, in Jersey city, you know? And, uh, I, I tried to approach that series in a way to kind of push Kamala in some new spaces that would honor the things that, that Willow did. And I think at some points I succeeded and, and really did some very cool stuff. And then there were some other places where I'm like, you know, hmm drop the ball there, you know, and you have to be honest with yourself about when, when you've succeeded and when you've, uh, when you talk about those two voices, right. The, the voice that you always suck and the voice you're amazing is somewhere in between those. You have to find the like, okay, I, I did a good job here. I could have done better here. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, there are things I'd probably change if I go back and, and, and look at Kamala again, but I wouldn't like sit there and pick them apart, you know, um, too much because you go crazy. So, <laughs> Uh, so that kind of leaving that kind of mark is, is a complicated thing, I guess. It's right. a long answer. <laughs> does having those things in a run where you're like, well, I, I can see what I could have done better. Does that make you want to go back to it at some point or do you just no. wash your hands of it? No, it makes me like want to never look at it again. Yeah. <laughs> mostly, you know, even things I like, I don't really look at again, mostly. But, it, but sure. by the time a comic comes to print, I you know, usually won't actually read it because I've, I've stressed out about it too much already but yeah um really the thing is more like to learn for the next thing you know and then to to take that to the next project you work on Uh, i'm i'm curious how i mean you mentioned it and i was actually going to ask about it anyway because i wrote while you did we're doing black bolt i was just starting marvel 2 and i did secret warriors which was a kamala kamala thank you um, I have my regrets, um, but it's a Kamala-led book, and I remember at the time that was a that was a thing they said was like you know we want Kamala team, and everyone they we went over on the team that you know there was a lot of characters they wanted thrown together, and and I that was the one that really caught me off guard where I was like I as a can we swap her out, and they they it was a funny conversation because I think Will Moss like thought I didn't like the character. And he went to like, tell me like, oh, you know what? She's actually a good character. Check out the book. And I was like, I've read every issue. I love the character. It's not that. It's the weight of the fact that like, it feels like Willow's character. (laughs) Like, I feel like I'm, I'm reaching into someone else's toy box and taking their toy. And obviously Willow could do what she wanted and, and was already, you know, like going on other things, but it, it felt so heavy. And I, and you have that with, with, Miss Marvel and with, you know, Brian Bendis and Sarah Pacelli on, on miles. Was there hesitation because of that, because of, of the people being right there that in that proximity, like, I mean, you know, again, like, um, you know, uh, Bendis and I have briefly, you know, interacted online, um, uh, you know, cordially and, and, you know, we wouldn't have miles without him. Right. So, but we, we don't know each other. We hadn't, Mm-hmm. interacted and so it was much easier for me to have a distance whereas as i say like you know i, I didn't know what will well we're not best friends or anything but you know muslim science fiction writers is not a huge american muslim science fiction writers is not a massive circle right so you know we uh, she'd pub she's a novelist as well as a comics writer and mm-hmm. so we published our novels somewhere around the same time and uh yeah so we we, we you know we knew who the other was we'd met at, at conferences and stuff and so that felt a little more like you know, taking somebody's toys. But I think also because, you know, Miles, with, with Miles, Bendis was consciously creating a new Spider-Man, right? And, and of course, Kamala's a new Ms. Marvel. 
but not in the same way. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just there's something about her and her world and her neighborhood and her just that does, as you're saying. And I think um, I think the art has had a lot to do with it. The, the, the various artists that Will has worked with have sort of sure. always had room to kind of do something a bit distinct. Right. Um, and I think that that is that felt more intimidating and is, is a harder act to follow in some ways for all the you know credit I give Bendis for, for miles. It's a more unique act to follow Willow on Kamala. And I think we're slowly, several of us who's um, Samira Ahmed, who uh, also did a, a run on a mini on her um, and, you know, some other appearances here and there, some of the work on champions, we're piecing together a Kamala that I think is, as I said, like whatever, a, le- a legacy hero, a hero that mm-hmm. people can come and bring their own voice to, but that's the thing when 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 the kid is that new you know yeah. they sound like their parents i don't know i don't know how, <laughs> how better how better to put it they're still and you got to like get them off to school and meet other people and and then they become their own person you know so yeah And that brings us to the end of part one of our discussion with Saladin Ahmed. Make sure to check out Daredevil, Star Signs, Terror War, and everything else he's working on by checking out his substack at copperbottle.net. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week for part two of our discussion, and in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Where is the poison?